With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Late. We were talking all things Spanish football for, for some reason or other, I don't know why, but uh, I'm joined as always on this Friday by Tony Haggerty. How are you doing, Tony? Very well, Laura, yourself? Fine, fine. Um, and joining us for his, his appearance this month is um, Alan Morrison. Uh, how are you doing, Alan? I'm all right. Thank you, Laura. Cheers. <laughs> yes, uh, Alan appears on uh, the Huddle Breakdown podcast, which you can also find everywhere that you can find good podcasts. If you're here, I'm sure you know how to work all the search engines and all that to find it. So keep an eye out for it. It's, a, it's an interesting lesson always. Um, quite a bit to discuss today with the, the 3-2 victory over Aberdeen, uh, the Scottish Cup fifth round game against Wraith Rovers coming up at the weekend and anything else that comes to mind in between. Um, just want to say a couple of hellos. Hello to um, Alan Robertson watching on YouTube and hello to uh, William McFadden uh, watching on YouTube as well. If you want to get involved in the show, get in the comments and we will try and read out anything you've got. If you've got any questions for the panellists or any points you want to raise, then uh, we'll be happy to discuss it. Um, so, Tony, I'll come to you first. Um, we had a brief discussion before we came on air about the nature of the, the game. I, uh, to, to paraphrase a famous uh, 
former Scottish football manager, I said it was a bit of a, a, a game full of squeaky bum time. It was not an enjoyable one for me. You made the point that maybe the first 45 minutes were a little bit more enjoyable. What was your overall view of the game on, on, on the other night? My overall view is that Celtic won 3-2. Another difficult venue's out the road. And to quote King Jim, you move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was a lot hairier than it probably needed to be. Defensive frailties, I'm sure Alan will be able to go into that in a bit more depth. Uh, came to the fore again. But again, in a position of adversity, they got their noses in front very quickly after conceding the equaliser. And same as the cup final, they went behind, and I think it was less than a minute, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were level in less than a minute again, Aberdeen. So, Ange keeps referring to it, with all sorts of challenges thrown at them this season, and they just keep rising to them and meeting them head on. And I, I don't know about you, but I was, yeah, you can go into all sorts of the minutiae and the detail of, of the performance, but they won. You know, and it's, what, 12 left? If they keep winning, they'll win the title. Even mm-hmm. I'm a handoff to be at this stage last July or June when Ange took over. So you've got to embrace it. It's going to be like this. It's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be squeaky bum time for the next 12 games. But, yep, let's let's meet it head on. You know, the two performances before that were, were terrific. That was a wee kind of reminder that in certain situations that you can't switch off, especially in defence. And, uh, yeah, but three points is all that matters in these games, and they got that. So... I was delighted with the resilience and the character that they showed as the manager alluded to as well after it. So, yeah, it's 12 to go. It's going to be torture. It's going to be absolutely <laughs> torture. But it doesn't go. But tell you what, we we'll embrace it. We'll we'll see what it we'll see what it takes us. I think we're far ahead of schedule than anyone ever thought we would be at this stage in the season, and we're still competing for four trophies. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable, unbelievable achievement that in itself. Lorcar on YouTube says, well said, Tony, we got we won three points, move on, elbow cough. Quite right, quite right in these times to make it an elbow cough as well. Um, Alan, I'll come to you as well on this one. Tony raised a couple of good points there. I think, I think it's easy to forget, um, well, for some more than others, the amount that we covered last season, it's not so easy to forget, but... The position we were in last season compared to the position we're in this season, it's, um, you know, sometimes you can get caught up in the week to week and the performances and the level of performances. But overall, where we are in the league is a position, as Tony said, we would have bit someone's hand off for last July. Um, What did you make of that performance on Wednesday night overall? Is it as Tony says, is it the victory that's the most important thing or was there bits of it that, that maybe concerned you a little bit going forward into the next few weeks? Well, yeah, I've been told to move on, so I've, I've really got nothing more to say, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, as, 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 as Tony, I do love to dig about in the minutiae of the performance because the reason for that, no, the reason for that, the serious point about that is, is what does it teach you about how the team is going to perform Going forward, that that's what I'm thinking about. Is what does it tell us about how how it's going to go in the next sort of uh, you know few months sort of thing? So, in in that regard, I completely agree with what Tony said about being way ahead of schedule in terms of 
thinking about where we were. I mean, when we come to the Wraith Rovers game, um, uh, I was looking at where we were at that point in time, which was kind of mid-September. We were in a very different place mm. <laughs> uh, at that point. And that's, I think we could probably just maybe reflect on that when we when we cover the, the build-up to that game. But in terms of the game on uh, on, on, on the midweek there, um, yeah, I mean, it is a bit of relief, but, but I think it's unrealistic to expect Celtic to, you know, to, to cruise through every game 4-0 like we did against Motherwell. Um, although it could have been the same because uh, it looked to me as if um, Stephen Glass hadn't watched Celtic play the derby, hadn't watched Celtic play Motherwell and set his team up to, in exact, with exactly the same flaws as Van Bronckhurst and, and Alexander did, whereby essentially um, he let Celtic fullbacks have do whatever they wanted to do with the ball and he left his um, wide wing backs exposed uh, to overloads in wide areas, and, and we just made absolute hay when we could, when when we when we, we didn't even need to try that hard to score goals. A little bit of a shimmy and a magic from O'Reilly, great run from Jota, and then we we get that little bit of luck, and, and <clears throat> people will know. They watch the huddle breakdown. We talk about variants all the time, and how for a good part of eighteen months Celtic have not had. A lot of uh, positive variants, let's call it. Uh, and so now, in the last few games, guess what? A few long, a few shots from outside the box are going in, and that's that's that little bit of luck changing. Hatati's shot weaving through, but eight defenders into the far corner. O'Reilly's shot hitting Bates perfectly to go right into the corner. You know, these, these are little bits of luck that uh, perhaps haven't been there. Uh, but it's funny how when the confidence is high and the team believes in itself, these, you, the luckier you get as well. So mm. there's, a, there's, a, there's a bit of that to it uh, also. So so, so I think it's all good. I'm, I'm not feeling um, guilty about the positive variance. I'm embracing it because I think we were absolutely due it. Uh, and long may it continue. Um, and obviously another thing I was pleased about was, uh, before we come to the sort of, you know, what, what, what were the concerns, was the fact that once again, um, have got a goal back uh, back in front in the, around about what what was it the sixty middle of the sixtieth between the sixtieth and seventieth minutes there was actually very little jeopardy after that hmm. and I think and I think what what I'm learning about this team is there's there's, there's no doubt that the way that Ange wants Celtic to play is a very difficult and demanding style for the players not only around the decisions they have to make in terms of their positioning on the pitch because he's looking for players to create these overload situations and that, that requires people at place to think about where they are on the pitch and do I invert do I go pull wide do I come inside is it an overlapping run or an underlapping run these are all difficult decisions right that people have got to make on the hoof and it's physically demanding because he wants them to press high and we know that the team has had you know um, huge issues with injury and, and players are all different levels of coming back from injury um the japanese boys that were signed in december january effectively just coming towards the end of their pre-season so everyone's at different stages of their injury so everyone's got different profiles of where they are on the sort of fitness um spectrum so juggling all those things is difficult and we can see that the team is 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 lagging uh, in midway through the second halves and i put out a tweet which showed that celtic are conceding about 37% of their goals between the 50th 60th and the 50th and the 70th minute that 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 mid mid midpoint of the second half right now normally the normal the normal distribution of goals in that period is about 20% so we're way above that and if you look at celtic historically over the last 
seven years that I've got data for, um, it's about twenty percent. You know, it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty uh, constant. So massive uptick in goals conceded in that middle of that second half period, and it's got to be down to fitness. Um, my my response to that is, well, how do you mitigate that? Uh, and and you, you make substitutions earlier because what happens when when substitutions finally do arrive is that we tend to close the game out, and you know, mm-hmm. it's an absolutely remarkable stat that we've only conceded one goal in domestic football in the last 20 minutes of matches, and that was on the first game of the season against ours, is remarkable for a team that plays the way Celtic does. So get the subs done earlier, and let's all have a bit less stress. You know, I keep mentioning, you know, Chris Davis, especially Rodgers, they were excellent at sensing problems before they became issues. You know, they, they saw risk, and they dealt with it, and they made changes early, before they manifest into major issues, Postacoglu tends to react and tends to react after the fact, and then and then solve solve the problem. So I think that's just a bit of an adjustment that we could make. But the other the other really pleasing aspect that I took from that game was the fact that um, not only is this a, a very demanding style of play for Celtic to implement and execute, it's incredibly difficult to play against. And what we're seeing. Is the opposition teams are are out on their feet, hence that stat about not conceding any goals in the last twenty minutes of games. Once Aberdeen's bubble was burst, they had nothing left. Now mm-hmm. again, Glass made two substitutions at half time, and fair play to him, he corrected his ridiculous setup, and he, and he put together a far more coherent team for the second half. But he didn't, he didn't, he didn't make another sub after that, and I would have thought he should have, you know, been chucking on players in the last. 20 minutes to get an equaliser. Thank goodness he didn't. His team, you know, had basically shot their bolt and Celtic saw the game out. And we sort of seen that, you know, even in the derby, right? You know, we let them have a lot of the ball. They came forward a lot, created virtually nothing. Mm-hmm. It all just petered out. Lovely. That's what I want to see towards end of the season. All I ask of Ange is just make those substitutions a little bit earlier and let's uh, let's stop us all having as much stress as as, as, uh, as as we saw. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Rogers did make a lot of good decisions, good substitutions as Celtic manager. I don't think it's working out quite as well for him at Leicester at the moment, but uh, well, uh, I take no satisfaction in it, as you both know. Um, Tony, I'll come back to you on some of those points that Alan made about about. The, the the game and the way that it panned out. I mean, you mentioned it before we went we went live on air, and and Alan talks about you know how we sort of killed off the game uh, with that third goal, and and Aberdeen had nothing more to to give after that, which is understandable. They'd fought back twice to 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 get the to get into the equalising position, but. It's something that we have seen even in the more comfortable victories against Hearts, against Rangers, against Motherwell, that we have this absolutely bombastic first half. We we go out and we blow teams away. We look absolutely unplayable. We always come in at halftime saying we're only two or three goals up. We could be five or six up. And invariably we come out in the second half and it's not quite at the same level. Now, what's your opinion on that? Do Is it is it a conscious decision by the team and the players that the game is seen out? Or I find that hard to believe personally, knowing what Anne just said. Or do you think it's something else that's contributing to the way the games are panning out that's causing us to kind of fall off a little bit in the second half? <laughs> My thoughts are that I think they try and get a three-goal lead in the first half on every game they're playing. They mm-hmm. get that comfort zone. And it worked well against Rangers. It worked well against Motherwell. 
almost worked against Aberdeen. Yeah, but the third goal didn't come. And then they had the, you know, the dip that Alan refers to uh, in performance. And that that is a bit of a concern if you're not a mandatory three goals up, which which the play probably deserves. In the last few games, you saw it against Rangers and Motherwell, you know, especially against Rangers, when the Island said that they gave Rangers the ball for the second half, but they did nothing with it and they were fine containing them. You know, but, but it is a concern that though the levels dip in the second half, you know, and I, and, and I agree with Ireland to an extent that if that's the case, then you, you have to bring on players to address that, don't you? You mm-hmm. have to make substitutions and preempt any kind of problems that might arise because they are playing at a high intensity. You just have to look at the first half of games. There is a high intensity there. And I I think it's a conscientious decision where they are trying to kind of put things to bed Mm -hmm. or as early as they can. If they can score three goals, then all the better. But they are creating a lot of chances Mm -hmm. in the first half of games. Then obviously the second half is maybe not as Hell for leather, that rolling free scoring, never boring, I should probably call it. But, uh, but you know, it's you, you are noticing it, and that's that's the points that Alan's alluding to that it's noticeable now and it's becoming more fraught because of the situation we now find ourselves in in terms of going for the title. So, that kind of drop off in the second half, to, to, to quote Jim, that's that's going to lead to. Heart attack football, isn't it? As a supporter, you're you're going to be watching it through splayed fingers at times. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. But I, I, I'm still, I'm loath to criticize them in any way. I just thought the goals that they lost the other night were pretty. <clears throat> to because it's not been their forte. They've been very good with set-pieces and dealing with them. And the manager alluded to that after it. They get done by two set-pieces. And he keeps referring to that they can do things better and that they can improve on things. And I think that's what they can improve on. That kind of de- nature of defending high balls into the box, which Aberdeen get a bit of joy from. 
which has not been like Celtic. But they are they, they do have the meanest defence in the Premiership for a reason, because they're pretty solid. But there are there are moments or like periods, especially in the second halves of games, where they ha- they have a wobble, don't they? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, even when they were in control against St Johnston, Boxing Day at McDermott Park, and they gave away Starfield, Stack Pass, ball into, cross into the box, goal, they wobbled, didn't they? And it was just so fortunate that they were going ahead <coughs> and then got a third, made it easy. But that propensity to wobble is something, I think, as Alan says, when that's happening, you've got to preempt that problem and put on fresher players and combat it. If, if you think it is going to happen at the moment, at this moment in time, as much as they're playing some lovely football first half, getting themselves into commanding leads and commanding positions, it's still there. It's not the full 90 that they're going for at that kind of pace and that kind of level. I know it's hard to keep those levels up, but you you know, you know, you are noticing that 60, 70 minutes, there's a kind of tapering off. And depending on what the score is at that point, it can cost you. It nearly cost Celtic the other night. That's maybe the warning shot over the bow that we have to address it. Yeah, um, John Curl on YouTube uh, bringing uh, John Curie, sorry, on YouTube uh, bringing in uh, some positivity. We've beaten Aberdeen three times in the league this season. Rangers have drawn against them twice so far. That's a that's a fair point. Um, and a little uh, comment from Snick uh, sixty seven on Twitch says, "I like these wee crossovers. Love Big Allen's uh, stats mixed with the." I test or whatever you call it watching a game now so that is definitely the two sides of the coin that we get on this show well, um, these things are the criticism Laura both Alan and I are making observations we're not criticising mm-hmm. the team it's, it's observations Alan's is based on mine's is based on the eye test and Alan's is based on stats and data so it's you know we're not having a pop here we're just no, noticing, exactly. noticing things I'm, I'm still trying to process Big Alan to be honest <laughs> <laughs> I've no, um, I've no idea. I've no idea what that leads to. <laughs> do you know it's some it's something, Alan? I've spoken to you a, a bunch of times. I have, and I and I said this to Tony when I first met him in the flesh. I don't know if any of you are tall or short or what height you are. We just need to wait and find out because <laughs> I've only ever seen everybody in a sitting position. So right, we'll see yeah. when we do meet in the just flesh a, one day. A I get funny a lot, but it's just because of a big ball face on the screen. I, <laughs> I feel like I, I love a, I love a ball face. Alan, I'll come back to you with some of the points that um, Tony's made, but this is an important one that we we saw. Tony mentioned about being a little bit disappointed with some of the the. Um, the nature of the goals we've conceded. Danielle yep. F uh, on YouTube says, "Ange was a defender back in his playing days. What's it going to take for someone to help us uh, sort out our weakness at set piece and corners?" Now I have to say, while I, I agree that it is a weakness in the current team, it's something that's predated Ange. I think, as as we all know, as Celtic supporters, uh, set pieces and corners and things seem to be a weakness for us. Again, we conceded from from at least one of those the other night, and and it seems to be. Uh, something that we sort of bring upon ourselves a lot of the time. Where where do you see the big issues from set pieces and things that we have when we're trying to defend them? Yeah, no, listen, I mean, what I've learned doing this is that um, set piece 
and especially conceding from set pieces is something that triggers people's confirmation biases. And and it just people have a view on on whether you defend well or don't defend well at set plays. And and it doesn't matter what the reality is, people's confirmation biases get triggered by these things. It's the same as trying to debate people for people who think you should always have two strikers up front. Once you've got that bias in your head, there's no reasoning. <laughs> there's no reasoning with people. It's like, you know. Should we? Should you? Should you man mark or 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 zonals if the only choice in the world is, is an extreme one or extreme the other? It's just like it's just people have these biases in their mind about it. So let me try and cut through a little bit. A few things to say on this. Um, so first of all, let's acknowledge the fact that Aberdeen are one of the best teams in the league at set plays. Right? They, they score a lot of goals from set plays, create a lot of chances from set plays. As as we've seen in many games, they're very very good. They're a big strong physical team, and they're very good at messing the opposition up. Scott Brown, bless him, is probably the best at you know blocking players off the ball um, and, and messing people up. The, the goal that he scored was right off. We've seen it. We've seen that. We've seen that exact same set play. Celtic executed. Rogic scored a goal from it earlier in the season. So um, that, then people then people go, away, but what, we should have prepared for it then. It's like, well, you know, there's like a million different ways you can launch a ball into a box, right? So listen, you've got to give them a bit of credit. They're a good team at it. They scored two goals from it, okay? Second thing is, you know, we're not a big team, right? And it looks like it's not something that Postacoglu is going to um, prioritise. He's not going to, he's not going to insist on having, like O'Neill did, a spine of at least five players that are big physical units in in the side. Okay, so you're going. What's going to happen on occasion? Okay, is you're going to get matchups like what happened with the the second goal. Where um, you know Ferguson is matched up to to wee Greg Taylor. Now Greg Taylor's not bad in the air for for a wee lad, but you know occasionally someone who's about half a foot taller than him is going to beat him in the air. Mm. You know, it's like it will happen, and with a good deli- with a good delivery as well. As soon as the ball went in, I thought, oh, fuck, because I just saw it was like a really good. It was just a good quality cross, right? Because so, Greg Lewis, I'll... No. He, he, no, he is big Lewis. Lewis, Lewis, Lewis Ferguson plays his best football when he's not moving. He's good at jumping from a standing start. He's good at taking penalties, and he's good at falling over when anyone comes near him. Other than that, if it, if it involves moving or any sort of motor skills, he's rubbish. But when you when you ask him not to move, he's absolutely a great footballer. So so listen, he was, he was there was a mismatch there because because you know the, because of the players we've got, Starfelt, uh, you know uh, Taylor Rolston. They're both decent in the air for we guys, but they're going to be marking much bigger physical players. So I think sometimes you just got to say they're good at free set pieces, they executed well, and 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 we, we don't necessarily have built a team to defend these things in terms of just sheer height when it's a good ball. Having said all that, you know, you, 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 want, you want to learn from it, you want to improve. Now, what I will say, and I'll, I'm going to write something on the Celtic by Numbers site over the weekend on this because it looks like I'll be stuck in this room for another few days isolating, is, and I've got nothing else better to do, is um, I looked at, you know, what what is the expected goals that we're conceding from set plays this season? And if you look at if you look at the last, I've got data for the last five seasons, and it was pretty consistent over the last over the first three of those, and then last year it absolutely jumped up. It jumped up to 0.21 expected goals every game that we were giving up from set play. So that's when I say set play, I mean free kick passes, corner passes, or the the play second phase immediately after those passes. So p- combine all those things together. We were up to 0.21 expected goals against every game from set plays, and we know that last year we were a, we were an incoherent mess all across the pitch. Okay, so that 
you want to take that as your benchmark for what really bad looks like, okay? This season, we're not point one one expected goals against uh, from set plays, which is almost half last season and is lower than any season since I've got records for. So that, to me, supports Postacoglu's assertion that what he said after the game, that this is something that surprised him, it's something that we've been improving on, uh, but we didn't get it right that night. So what I would say is, in summary for all that, is that it was it was a bad night against a, an opponent for which this is a particular strength, but I don't think it's a, a systemic issue. Mm. Uh, Strange Love the Doctor seems to agree with you, says Aberdeen's main weapon is set pieces. He doesn't think they've scored from open play for months now. Um, <laughs> it's a... It's a it's a concern because, like Alan says, confirmation bias comes into it just because set pieces are so recognisable as a weakness when they are a weakness. Having said that, I think there is something to be said for um, Celtic kind of trying to be a bit more careful not to give these away because they are, you know, you might only give away a few a game, but if if of those few a game you end up conceding a high proportion of those uh, as goals, then then it becomes a problem. <clears throat> um, Tony, to look more at the positives in the in the game before we move on to to obviously the Wraith Rovers match um, for the second half of the show. Who were your standout performers in, ten, in, in terms of individuals? Who did you really see brought a lot to the game and allowed us to, to push on to the finish for the victory? First and foremost, I'm just delighted that Alan used the words incoherent mess and he never aimed it at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's early it's early, early days. Well, yeah, and, and, well, you know, Grouch March is early yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> so... Uh, Standout performer so far, Big Al. Um, <laughs> you know, I think you have to say big players do things when it matters. And Jota came up with two big goals, didn't he? Mm-hmm. I think Matt O'Reilly has continued his impressive start in a Celtic jersey. His levels tapered off a wee bit in the second half, same way Hatati. But you look to guys like Jota, don't you? To, to If they're not uh, scoring, to create. But... He scored 10 goals for Celtic this season and four of them have come against Aberdeen and two of them have been winners at Petodre and one of them has been a crucial goal and a 2-1 win or the open goal and a 2-1 win against Aberdeen at Celtic Park. So I think, you know, I keep saying this and we keep alluding to it, but Jota gets it. You know, he gets how important it is and how serious it is that when you're playing in these big games, big venues, tough venues, you have to perform. And he most certainly did. I, I like the look of Matt O'Reilly. I think Matt O'Reilly's a, a terrific footballer in the making. Yeah, it's just, you know, that, that ball in for the, the first goal is brilliant. Mm. Just that, as I've said before, that the corridor of uncertainty, as it's now called, you know, but just put it right in between defenders and goalkeepers. If there's a lack of communication there and somebody like Jota switched on, in you go. You know, Abadas profited from balls like that eh, from Hatati. In the past couple of games, just bang, you're in there, you know, without any hesitation. And, you know, that's the one good thing about the Celtic players, they're certainly switched on. You know, Angie's got them playing in a way where they're, they're switched on, especially in the first halves of games. So balls like that coming in, they, they're anticipating before anybody else and they're getting in there and they're profiting. So I, I'm impressed by that. Uh, Trying to think who else played well. You know, I, I still think. 
Cameron Carter-Vickers, for me, has been one of the, the lone signings of the season. He's just generally unruffled. Mm. You know, I've not seen him lose their rag, even when your man from St Johnston was kicking lumps out of him as he lay on the floor. You know, a big guy like that gets up and starts swinging. Normally, you would think, he just kept. He just keeps his composure. He's just. He just really looks the part. And I, you know, I, I'd love to see Celtic sign him on a permanent deal at the end of the season. Again, another one who gets it, and his consistency levels have been terrific. You know, and then uh, people can say I should maybe be a wee bit more dominant in the air. But again, that is going back to your your bias at set pieces and stuff like that. But to me, he's been particularly dominant. I've not seen any centre forward <clears throat> since he came at all, and he he just he just looks every inch a you know a defender and a quality one at that. You know, maybe got to we got to Europe the you know the standard increases and he's he's been in major tests, but I've not really seen anybody give him the real run around. And I think he, he's settled, he's happy, and there's a lot to be said for that. And he he, he really is. He's an eight or nine. A ten performer every other week. Uh, Joe Hart as well. Uh, Joe Hart's been been terrific. Yeah, uh, he dug the ball out in it three uh, twice. Well, three times actually. One one was offside, but I don't think you can fault Joe Hart uh, at all this season. He's been absolutely sensational for Celtic, to be honest. And to be fair, that was a great catch from Jota's golf shot as well. That was, was fantastic. I did see the, that, that footage. You know, <laughs> you know, the stage where you think about Joe Hart, is there nothing that he can't do, you know? <laughs> a bit like Henrik Larson, remember, when he scored all those goals and then he got a hole-in-one at the golf? <laughs> you know, the guys were just like, oh, you know, what? Stop <laughs> In the words of Billy Connolly when he was singing the super grand song, is there nothing that she can do, you know? Is there nothing that she can do, you know? Yeah, so I, I just think we've got a, a lot of players who are hitting the mark at the minute. You know, Abada mm-hmm. as well. Abada took a right show one, by the way, from Bates the other night. Yeah. I, I question whether that was a red. I don't know if mm-hmm. you thought that yourself, but in no attempt to play the ball. No, I, I, think, I think the fact that he's... It looks like a it looks like a gen to the referee. It looks like a genuine attempt to play the ball, and he's not he's not it's not like an unnaturally high angle that he comes in. I think saves him in that mm. regard. He has clattered <clears throat> into him, and it's oh, oh yeah, no, it's a sore one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Asking, you know, he, knew, so, he knew it. He knew it was. <laughs> yeah. So Abad has been you know stepping up to the plate as well. So we've got players all over the pattern. Tom Logic. <laughs> I mean that display against Motherwell was just. Uh, Honest to God, even the nonchalance of the set, or the lack of celebration, the nonchalance we stuck right into the top corner, is if it's what I do. Yeah. Why, yeah. Why, why are you surprised? Crowd's going mental, and he's just like, <laughs> when when you give me the freedom of the park and nobody bothers to close me down, I'm just I'm just going to stick at the top corner. <laughs> yeah, I'll stick at the top corner and discuss yeah. the options later. What you want me to do with it, you know? Yeah. And, and um, he was really annoyed at himself that he hit the post. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. 
It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. In the second half for the hat so, but he played as if he was a guy that hadn't even been away in international duty. And we'll no, absolutely. Come to the red game, but I would actually like to see O'Reilly and Rogic in the same starting team. You know, we beat on Holden and just go and run riot. Wow, that's uh, that's an exciting prospect. Speaking of O'Reilly, uh, Alex Shundy on uh, YouTube says, enjoy O'Reilly, he'll be a huge transfer out within two years. My fear is that might be the case with more than just O'Reilly, but we will enjoy him while he's here. Um, I have to say I totally agree with, with your assessment of most of the players there. I think Rogic, if you had asked me a year ago, would I be excited to see Rogic coming mm-hmm. back from international duty and back into the team? I'd have said, what are you talking about? But here we are. I've had the, I've had the pleasure of uh, watching the, the last few games with my brother-in-law, who's a Rangers supporter. And to be fair to him, you know, I, I don't pay a lot of attention to Rangers and what they do week to week and what their players are doing individually week to week. But it's interesting to have him sitting there comparing what we have and what our strengths are compared to what their strengths are um, or their lack thereof at the moment. And and he was kind of saying, you know, that, you know, you've got players like Rogic, you've got players like um, O'Reilly, you've got players like, like Kyogo before he got injured, who you just know are going to make a difference when they're on the pitch. And it, it's something that you can't always rely on. Certainly not something we could rely on uh, last season anyway. Even if we had a stronger bench last season, there was nobody on the bench that you thought could come on and make a change. Whereas we're in the, the fortunate position, or not so fortunate position, but through the hard work of Ange and, and, and the team, having a team where we have players on the pitch, we think we can make a difference. We have players on the bench who come on and can make a difference as well. And it's a great position to be in. Alan, um, Tony mentioned Cameron Carter-Vickers, Tom Rogic, Matt O'Reilly, mm-hmm. Abada. Um are you in agreement with those choices as the kind of standout performers of the last few games, or is there anybody else you would like to give a special mention to? No, I think actually, you know, the, the data supports very well uh, Tony's eye test in terms of that game. Um, absolutely <laughs> spot, spot on. Uh, the, only, <laughs> the, only, the only other one I would chuck in for a wee mention um, that you didn't mention specifically against Aberdeen is, is Greg Taylor, who, who similar mm. to in the derby, did a power of work defensively. Uh, a lot of it probably you know, bits and pieces, but it all accumulates during a game. And uh, he actually put in a really good uh, performance defensively, which he had done in the derby. He didn't really contribute a lot in an attacking sense, but then again, the fullbacks in the last few games, Motherwell, the derby game, and then the uh, first half against Aberdeen, have not had to get forward a lot. They've just been there to get the ball through the lines, and they've been given ample time to do that and then defend 
uh, when they've had to. So, um, yeah, I would definitely shout out to, to Taylor. But otherwise, yeah, what you said about Carter Vickers, I can't really um, add too much to. I mean, his, number, his numbers are fantastic. He's right up there with the best centre-backs we've had since I've captured the data. And so that gives you that, – that's a – that's a peer group of you know Van Dyke, Julian, Ayer. That you know that's that's the sort of and 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 Carter is up there you know with those three as being in, in the in the premier centre backs that we've had in recent times, absolutely. And the fact is that every single game, uh, he's just so consistent. <clears throat> he's a little bit of the antithesis to Starfelt in the sense that everything everything Carter does is understated, unflustered, with an economy of effort and movement. As opposed to Starfield, who literally falls over trying to pass the ball, it's just he's just he's just a complete contrast in, in physical uh, you know styles really. Uh, but anyway, don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, otherwise, in terms of the, the team hitting form, yeah, I mean O'Reilly to me is just an absolute dream of a footballer. Is is if you look at the little things, the, the little touches, his ability to control difficult balls under huge pressure, which is very sort of Rogic. Esque, I suppose, but the thing that he perhaps does that people may not have picked up upon because it's very understated is his his defensive work because um, mm. he doesn't he doesn't run around the pitch flying into people like Ryan Christie used to do. He nicks the ball from people because he's so his anticipation is is so good. He sees he sees the body angle of the opponent. He sees where the ball is, and his brain works so quickly. He can just nick the ball without really seeming like he's tackled anyone and he sort of burgles it and it's it's not particularly obvious it's not doesn't particularly stand out it's like a crunching tackle that the fans love but he does that a lot and his defensive actions are much much more higher volume than you'd think they were so so in that sense he's shaping up uh, as is Hatati to be that sort of perfect number eight where you want you want creativity you want goal threat you want um, defensive actions, right? You want that whole and that, and that box-to-box ability as well. So, but in terms of his technical s- skills, um, I'm, I'm going to resist doing what I did on the huddle breakdown yesterday of talking about his his, his Dalglish-esque bottom as well. <laughs> I'll, I'll, not, I'll, not, I'll not repeat my Al Pacino uh, impression, but he's, he's got that. He's got that going. It's a huge ass. He's got. <laughs> <laughs> he's got this big ass, right? It's just like Kenny Douglas used, as I said. So um, I love it because I, I just love Matt O'Reilly, and I, and I don't normally get go overboard about players that haven't played like at least nine hundred minutes. But I'm going to make an exception for this kid. I think he's really special. No, nobody used the gluteus maximus like Kenny Douglas did. They? Nobody, no. nobody, no. and and nobody I've seen in world football. Before, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one now. I obviously didn't see uh, Kenny Douglas in his prime, but I tell you, uh, John McGinn can back it up. John McGinn, uh, John McGinn is yeah. the nearest. Yeah. Maybe that I've seen that he uses that part of his anatomy to heal the football well. But <laughs> I, I agree with Alan about O'Reilly. It's, it's the death touches, isn't it, Alan? And the guile that he possesses, just as you say, the things that go unnoticed. But just even the wee shunts and the wee layoff to people. The, 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 goal, the goal, the winning goal, um, the ball broke to him in central midfield and he and he was kind of side on. And without even breaking stride, he just passed this diagonal ball. Yeah. I, think it was to, I think it was Taylor. It went through the eye of a needle, took out about three Aberdeen players and kept kept the move going. It was just a beautiful, yeah. skillful, well, you know, on a bobbly pitch on a windy night. It was just brilliant. Yeah. And it, you see your... your... Your bias kicks in with Taylor because most people remember Taylor for being beat by Big Lewis for the header the other night. They yeah, yeah. They, wouldn't, they wouldn't have watched or noticed anything else. 
because that will have clouded their judgment about his performance. Mm. No, he did a power. He did a power of work. Uh, I thought he was terrific against uh, Rangers and Motherwell. Oh yeah, he was. It was his pass that set up the opening goal against Motherwell. The Mm. one Hattie, and it's just opened the whole. Yeah, you know, just yeah, the, those yeah. kind of moments, you know. So yeah, yeah, agree. No, I, I think I've got to, I've got to come in here and say, that both of you know, and 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 certainly everybody watching the show know, I, I'm probably one of uh, Greg Taylor's biggest uh, critics. I think personally, still believe that in terms of the quality that we've managed to bring in under Ange and the quality that we have in the squad now, he still remains one of the weaker links, who I think in time will be replaced, but. I can't disagree. I think his his performances these last stretch of four or five matches in particular have been outstanding. Some of his best in a Celtic shirt, I would say, particularly against Rangers. I thought he was really excellent. And um, yeah, I, I think it's a sign of a good professional that he is able to raise his game to match those around him. Uh, perhaps he hasn't been challenged enough by previous management, previous players around him, and he's needed that little bit extra um, sort of motivation or um, inspiration from those around him to to raise his game, and he's certainly doing that. Um, yeah, sorry, Alan, on you go. Sorry, uh, Laura. No, just on Taylor. I, th- I, 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 I think we can. I think we can simultaneously agree, which is acknowledge the fact he's playing absolutely brilliantly at the moment, and. Uh, make the point that I suspect he's not the long-term solution to that. And the reason mm. I say that is you've got to absolutely love his at the kid's attitude, right? Mm. In fact, even even when he wasn't playing well, I see a player that wants to improve and wants to be the best footballer he can be. I've always thought that about Greg Taylor. But there's just some imponderable um, physical limitations that he has that you cannot, you're not going to improve. You're not going to make him super fast. He's not no. going to be particularly you know quick enough to play in this system. He's not going to have the technical ability uh, that you need to play as a fullback in this system. And he's not going to compensate by having enormously athletic attributes. So to me, you can, you're never you're never going to re- resolve those things. But what you can say is that the, the, the kid is improving and, mm. absol- and he absolutely has a fantastic attitude. So, you know, I, 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 I like him. I like him a lot while, si- while still thinking he's not the answer in the long term. <laughs> Yeah, I think you could probably apply the same to, to Anthony Ralston. You know, you, yeah, exactly. You, exactly. You have a you have a player mm. there who I think even he would admit is technically limited. But look at the difference in attitude that Celtic fans have towards him just because they see a player who is trying his best to make the most of the the abilities that he has and is sure. certainly a, a, a better footballer than many of his criticising him would be. So, so, um, so yeah, I think there's there's a point to be made there. I um, get the manager for that, Laura. Mm-hmm. That's a tremendous man management to get those two players to play possibly above what their ability level will show. But he, he's clearly taken them aside and he's put faith in them and they put their faith in him and say, OK, whenever I go into that park, I'll perform for you. So I, I can't underemphasise the, the role of the manager in that, to be honest. I mean, he, he really has got a group of guys who are, who are playing for him, you know, yeah. in every position. So, that continue? Yeah, I think we've I think we've seen enough of that, especially towards the end of Neil Lennon's reign. You, you know, some of the stuff he was saying in public, some of the stuff other players were saying in public, regardless of who was right or wrong, there was definitely a disconnect there between manager and player. And there's anything but that with Ange. They are they are running through brick walls for him as as any team who believes in what their manager is saying would do. And and long may it continue because. 
as we all know, you know, there's certain managers. Jose Mourinho is one that springs to mind. He relies on players being willing to run through brick walls for him. And the minute that that stops is, is when the, the success sort of dwindles away or when he stops being able to get that out of players is when his career takes a, a downward trajectory, which I think has happened in the case of a lot of great managers. But hopefully for Ange, that doesn't happen for a long time. Um, I'd run through that wooden wardrobe for Ange. Yeah, I'd run through my lunch for Ange. <laughs> 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 uh, I'm not going to say what I'd run through for Ange. I think he's, he's summed it up pretty well there. But um, we'll, we'll move on to to the next tie that Celtic are involved in. It says Celtic Wraith Rovers uh, this weekend in the fifth round of the Scottish Cup, which as always will be covered uh, live here on Axom. So get subscribed and get your notifications on to be made aware when we go live. Um, Ryan Kelly pretty much brings up the question that we're going to ask. I'd play a good mix of regular and probably some second-choice players for Wraith on Sunday, as long as it's a strong enough team to win the game. Um, Tony, I'll come to you first on this. We've had a, we've had a tight and um, sort of compact run of games uh, over the past few weeks. They have been very... Um, high tempo as all Ange's games are with had players coming back from international duty do you see the, sh- the pack getting shuffled again do you see there being a major change or is Ange going to look for a bit of consistency going into this game given what he's had to put up with in the last few weeks I think it's like everything else you, you, you want to win the domestic treble so you're going to have to take it seriously but I think this is the optimum chance that you can rest players and bring in a lot of guys French players who are champion at the bit to play. You know, and I, I, I picked a team for the Celtic way, and I'll try and remember it. And, and there's a few changes that I've picked. Bain and Goal. I've picked Ralston, eh, Carter Vickers and Welsh, and Scales. I've picked Beaton, or, eh, Beaton Orogic. There you go, Orogic. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Beaton, O'Reilly and Rogic. <laughs> and eh, I've put Jackie Marcus. And Jota, and I've actually wanted to see Ben Doak get a start. Okay. So that that was the team, you know, Doak and Jota out wide and Jack and Marcus up front. I just I just thought that you you should be able to take care of Rachel Rovers comfortably. And I think if you want to rest players like McGregor, rest Tati, you know, who's played a lot of football, you know, rest Starfelt, Juranovic, guys like that, then then Taylor as well, then do it. No, and that, that's still a strong side. I still think it's a, a team that would be capable of beating Red Rovers. Everybody's side will be different. They'll pick a different 11. But uh, when you're asked to nail your colour to the mast and pick a, an 11, then that, that's what I come But I think the, the, the Ben Doak one, mm-hmm. interestingly, I mean, I'd like to see a little bit more of the boy. And I, I think if you set him out with Jack and Marcus and Jota, you could feel you know, confident that they could maybe talk him through it and help him through it and stuff. And, you know, with the, with the midfielders when I'm making up names of players, do you know what I mean? So that's uh, wonderful. But yeah, I just want to see Roger and O'Reilly play together. Mm. I think that'd be very creative and I think that would help somebody like Ben Doak because I think they could utilise his pace by playing that kind of deft and, uh, you know, guile through ball to him. And, you know, the romance of the cup and all that, 16-year-old boy going write some headlines. You know, mm. that's, that's the way I would approach it. That's what I would do. 
if, if I was Ange, I can never second guess him. A couple of things I've been asked to get the you know, name, name the team and I've got it spot on, but I just put that down to luck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll... I was woefully wrong against Alaba, but I, nobody would have picked that team against Alaba. So, you know... I'll, I'll ask Alan about the Ben Doak thing in, in, in a second, but I wanted to come back to you on another selection that you made there, uh, Tony, before I do that. Stephen Welsh at the back, this yeah. is a perfect opportunity for him to come in. Do you think he's got grounds to be a little bit frustrated at the fact he's not had more opportunities so far this season? I mean, we, we've talked about, we've touched on, you know, that perhaps Starfelt is, remains a little bit of a weak link, even though I have to say his, his performances have improved greatly since the start of the season. Do you think Stephen Welsh might be sitting there thinking he deserved a bit more of an opportunity, or do you think there's do you think there's time for that to come? Cameron Carter Vickers and Carol Starfelt are the best defence in the Scottish Premiership. Conceded mm. the least amount of goals. You know, and again, your your bias kicks in as Alan keeps saying about the likes of Starfelt. Yeah, he looks cumbersome when he he trips over sometimes, but he's a defender. I think he can defend. He's pretty rugged. And mm-hmm. I think he's taken the lead off Cameron Carter Vickers because the two of them have dovetailed quite nicely recently uh, and not really looked under any real pressure. So, you know, uh, Carol Starfield is coming on to a game for me. I was maybe vocal, not so much criticising, but I just thought he could maybe you know, do a bit more or be a bit more rugged. And I think he has been uh, in the, the past few performances that I've seen. So, if you're having a go at Starfield, then, and I don't know if Alan's stats will bear this out, but to me, he's pretty consistent. He's just as consistent. He's he's defensive partner. Not as consistent, but he should he should be up there. Uh, Alan will let me know the stats on that. But so, why would you break up that pairing when they're doing when they're doing well? Well, she's just one of those guys. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but you know, it's his time will come. You could you throw him inside. But again, you throw into the mix as well. I, I think Saturday's an ideal time to get Julian some game time too. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Th- I, I wouldn't want to start him because I wouldn't want that burden of pressure on him. But I think if you can give him a half or at least 35, 40 minutes then just to get him used to kicking the ball about on the, on the grass again in, in that kind of match situation, I think all these things will be in the manager's mind. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair point. Um, AGSC Tech says Starfield has been compared against Van Dyke and Denier, who are both world class uh, centre backs. Starfield doesn't need to be world class; he just needs to be good. I think I, I made a similar point a few weeks ago. I think uh, sometimes I feel as though a centre back just needs to do his job to the point where you don't even notice him, and that's that's a good centre back to me and I think Starfelt for a lot of the time has done that so uh, he's certainly coming on to a game and that's that's all fair points um, Alan I'll, I'll come to you uh, what kind of team do you see as fielding against Wraith Rovers is this an opportunity for Ange to rest players or is this an opportunity for him to keep the consistency of selection and, and you know keep the winning habit that people like to talk about so often Oh, Alan, I think you're muted. <clears throat> Sorry, because I've been cough, coughing away here. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, so, yeah, listen, this is the opportunity to get game time into the legs of players that need it whilst keeping momentum and having a good enough team on the pitch to win the game. That's the, to me, would be the, the, the kind of mindset, the mission statement for this game. 
I mean, Wraith Rovers are not in a good place, right? I, I, don't, I don't mean Fife. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, you know, they they went on a great run. Um, I think they were like thir- like thirteen games undefeated up to the beginning of uh, middle of December, um, and they've they've gone nine league games without a win. In fact, their only win in that period was against Darren O'Day. I mean, uh, Banks O'Dea, not Darren O'Day. Banks O'Dea in the uh, in the Scottish Cup. Uh, it was it's been their only their only victory since uh, a win against Kilmarnock on the eleventh of December. So this is not a team in good form. When we played them in the League Cup back in September, they they did the they did the part of the bus thing. It was a very low block, uh, a four and a five, and a lone striker, uh, and they just and they just sat in. And there's no reason to think that they're going to do any different this time. So what that says to me is that a player like, for example, James McCarthy, who did play in that game, is utterly redundant. It's, it's just a waste of a shirt. So you need to put a little bit more um, attacking threat on the pitch. So having said all that, um, I agree that Bain needs to play on the basis that you might need to call on, on him at any time. So he needs a bit of game time. Ralston is likely to be the only sort of fit right back so he plays i would actually go with welsh and julian uh, mm. because again again you're going to you're going to need going to need welsh at some point and he, and he needs some games julian i can't see another gap in the calendar when he's ever going to be able to start a game they're going to be playing a very low block it's, for him it's going to be about mainly retrieving recovering balls and then moving it forward and then some set piece threat it should be a good game to get him back in the saddle in that regard at left back, Taylor's put in a hell of a shift in, in hard hard games recently. So I'd bring I'd bring Scales in. I'd have Bit on as the as the sitting player, and then in the, the the two I'd bring Rogic back in because he didn't play much the other night, and I'd I'd, I'd, I'd keep Hatati in because Hatati hasn't played ninety minutes yet, and um, is essentially as I keep saying he's. If you think about it logically, he's coming to the end of his preseason. He stopped mm. playing at the beginning of December. We're now sort of halfway through January. He should be just getting up to peak fitness for the rest of the season. So I'd give, I'd, I'd get ninety minutes into Hatati's uh, legs, and then on the right I'd put Forrest in because Forrest desperately needs, uh, I think, uh, to, to get legs uh, minutes into his legs as well. Uh, I would play Jakamakis, uh, and I would play Maida on the left for the same reasons I'd play Hatati. Maida's not played that many minutes for Celtic. He's flown halfway around the world. You know he's he's uh, he's essentially coming to the end of his preseason. He he could do with another another good uh, ninety minutes in his belt. So that would be my that would be my team and the reason for it. That's, that's an interesting <clears> one. <throat> uh, one thing I'll say about Hatati, I, I I get your point about the ninety minutes, but my opinion was the other night was the first it was the first game I saw him slightly off the boil against Aberdeen, maybe not having the impact that he has had in previous games. And you, your your opinion of playing the ninety minutes seems to go in opposite to what I was thinking. Is that this might be an opportunity to rest them? Do you think that's maybe another option to go with, or would you still go with the ninety minutes despite the the performance against Aberdeen? Yeah, I think so. As I say, I do think he needs he needs the minutes, and it's like as I say, it's like he's getting to the point where imagine this was um, you know early August, <laughs> you know this, he's he's kind of at that point where he needs to get he needs to get some game time. I think so. Um, yes, it was a difficult game for him. He he did okay. Um, I did I did write about this a little bit on the the Celtic way. You know, Atati's caught everyone's eye, especially because of long range goals and two goals in a derby. Um, but <laughs> that tends to, again. 
perception bias has kind of kicked in because of that in terms of him. He's actually done okay. His, his underlying numbers are not as amazing as you might think they are. And that's not mm. a criticism. That's not a criticism. It's just, I'm just stating a fact. <laughs> you know, O'Reilly's like off the scale. Hatati's been pretty steady, but he's he's done some he's had some great moments and, the, and mm. people remember those moments right those are the things that live with people and i'm not saying that he's a bad player because of that and i'm not saying he's not been playing well he has he's perfect he looks perfect for the role that celtic want him to play so i'm really happy with him uh, but i just say hey, in my opinion i just think he, he could do with uh, getting this night an a90 minute he hadn't done 90 minutes yet for celtic so let's see if he can push through and get that because we need his quickness of thought to kind of open up what's going to be a very stuffy defense yeah. Come on, Alan, you've been on the internet long enough to know people who just clip that and say you've called Hatati rubbish now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. um, and, and it'll be Celtic fans that do it. <laughs> probably, probably. Um, Some, um, small Tony, Small minority, exactly. Tony, I'll come back to you on the Ben Doak thing because we didn't get a chance to go into that in a little bit more detail. Um, what, what do you make of his start in a Celtic shirt? He, he seems like a pretty exciting young prospect who, I have to say, you know, for somebody who follows everything Celtic, he kind of came out of nowhere for me, his opportunity in the team this season. It, it wasn't a name that I was aware of. You know, we all know about Owen Moffat and, and players of his like who've been in and around the squad and Ben Doak kind of seems to have come out of the blue and made a little bit of an impact. What What is it that's exciting you so much about him that you would like to see him against Wraith Rovers? I just think he's a, a young boy that maybe deserves a wee run out and to be unleashed because you saw the pace that he's got. He looks, he looks really, really quick. Hmm. I just think it'd be a great kind of Cinderella story for him. Really come on and or play and score and you know celebrate in front of the Celtic supporters and bearing in mind you know that there's also the backstory that Liverpool are watching him so I think there'd be method in the madness for Celtic to to play him you know and just sort of say okay let's start playing him and and if you want him then let's talk you know so but I'd I'd rather Celtic kept on to if he has a a precocious young talent which he might be, don't know yet, not seen enough of him, which is why I think this could be the, the right opportunity to, to unleash him. He's something different, isn't he? It's something who potentially could be exciting. And the, the snippets that we have seen of Ben Doak, we've been quite impressed with him. Hmm. I think as a young boy at 16, you, you'd be bursting to play in the first team and if the manager gave you the nod, you would you would bust a gut. And I think you would just... I, just, I think we like hmm. some young players coming through, don't we? And that, that excites us. I mean, we've got all our fair players. We've got some wonderful footballers at the club. But I think we take much more pride in seeing some a, a Ben Doak figure come into the team and you just you would just will him to do well. Mm. And it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity, a chance for the manager to say to him tomorrow, go and enjoy yourself. You know, go and, go and make your mum and dad proud. Go and score a goal and put your name in lights at Celtic Park and that Scottish Cup tie and just hand them that opportunity. And and that is, I think because of, as Alan said, Wraith Rovers, they're in a bit of, you know, the form's not great, the backstory with them leading up to this, you know, so I just think that, that if Celtic are going to give a chance to someone like Ben Doak, then it could, a game like this would be worth your while. And, and also letting, letting them see what he can do for 90 mm-hmm. minutes. Because the boy's fast. I want to see oh, yeah. You know what I mean? We've, we've watched him and we think he's fast. 
I want to see him in a game, or, you know, start the game and see what he see what he can do. And I would, uh, yeah, I'd love to see that happen. Whether it happens or not, purely down to the manager. But yeah, I'm saying this now: Liverpool, stay away. We want to see more of this boy, and you know, a couple of years yet, and then, and then when you come up with a, a decent figure, we'll maybe talk. A precocious young talent breaking through at Celtic and heading to Liverpool for, for the big time. Where have we heard that one before, Tony, I wonder? Um, Alan, I'll, I'll come back to you on this one as well. Um, I've, I've, I've put the question <clears throat> rather excitedly to Kevin uh, the night that we uh, watched the Rangers match and did the match coverage for Axon. We're going into this this Scottish Cup tie against Wraith Rovers, who, with all due respect, if we have any um, intentions on winning the trophy, we have to assume that we'll get past. Um, we've secured the League Cup. We're, we're doing well in the league. Is it too early to start talking about trebles again? Or, or <laughs> what do you think? Is that is that a bit presumptuous, do you think? Not to put you in the spot, Alan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pr- predictions and getting ahead of ourselves is not really my strong point. Usually, well, probably. true, yeah. true. It's, you know, I'll, I'll kind of take the data as I, as I get it sort of thing. So, listen, I, I, what I've said consistently uh, and what I picked up from, from Ange very early is that he will be telling that team they can win every single game they play. So mm. when it comes to Euro- Europa Conference, for example, I don't care if we get drawn against Roma or Marseille or Tottenham, I don't remember who's, who's still in the damn thing. Um, he will be expecting or telling those players that we're, 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 we're in this to win it. We're in it to win every competition. And I'm absolutely convinced about that. And, and I think that's the way that we'll play. So uh, as I say, I do, there will be a lot of changes, but... Um, you know, it's a big squad, and people need game time. And it'll, but the but the attitude will be, uh, we're, we're going to win. We're going to win. There's none of this. Oh, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's we're, we're thinking about Thursday. None of that attitude will be allowed. I don't think anywhere near the squad. It'll be every game is there to be won. And, and I think that's that's. I think I love and I love that. It's refreshing to me. I've always felt. You know, I, I absolutely despair, uh, especially in England, when you see fans of these so-called big clubs saying, oh, you know, I hope we play the kids in the League Cup and all this sort of thing. And whilst I agree with Tony, you do want to see young players play. Mm. I, I, I want to see us win every single game. Every, I want us to, to compete for every single trophy that we enter. And I'm kind of old-fashioned like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks very much for, for both of your time today. Thanks to everybody in the chat. Don't forget, we are back for the match coverage this weekend against Straith Rovers, as always. You can find Tony... Uh, doing what he does best, writing what he wrote on the Celtic way. Um, You can subscribe to that. They've been uh, sponsors of the channel previously and you can see his output there. You can follow Alan uh, at Celtic by Numbers on Twitter where he shares a lot of his stats and um, and uh, you can catch him on the, the Huddle Breakdown podcast, which Alan, I have to say, took on a little bit of a different meaning last season, I think, the Huddle Breakdown compared to what the, the meaning of the name is this season, but it's a lot more positive uh, yeah. than, than the connotations than I think it was last season, but it's a great, great show for anybody who's interested in the stats side of the game. Um, thanks, Tony. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We will see you again very soon on A Celtic State of Mind.
mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.